0: It's like recovery is like a life raft. And if I grab onto somebody, I might drown them. So it's like you've got to get on the boat where they're going to help you with the life raft, put that on you. They're going to put a life jacket on you. That's the big book. And they're going to teach you how to row. They're going to show you how to row for yourself because to like get in there and, and have somebody do it for you. We've done that. That's called Drugs.
1: That was Bonnie Pelletier-Donahue, and this is The Share Podcast.
2: It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey everybody and welcome
1: to another episode of The Share Podcast and today we have my good friend Bonnie Pelletier Donahue joining us on the show and Bonnie we first met I think somewhere in the neighborhood about two years ago yeah I would say about two years ago it was roughly around when I first launched The Share Podcast and we met in Manuel Antonio again here in Costa Rica for the AA annual convention that is held the first weekend of May every year. And it's been going on now for, I would say, about 18 years. I've attended that convention seven times. And I think Bonnie's coming uh, this year as well. Anyway, we we met, we hung out, we had a great time. Uh, Her and her friend Jen stayed with my wife and I, actually the night before they left to take off back to to Rhode Island. Um, And we have just remained really good friends over the last couple of years. Um, and most recently, I asked her to join me on the Share Podcast so she could share her story. And she has one amazing story. So many challenges to face, so many crosses to bear, rising from the ashes, so to speak. And what I love the most about Bonnie's story is how she shares about recovery and the impact it's had in her life and now in the lives of her entire family. I think you're absolutely going to love her her endearing story as much as I did. So let's dive into Bonnie's story. But first, if you'd like to know what's the best way to help support the show, here are a few of the best ways to do so. Number one, you can donate to The Share Podcast. And to do so, you simply go to the website www.thesharepodcast.com and click on the top right corner of the website that says Donate. Or you can click on any of the yellow banners throughout the website that say donate via PayPal, and it will take you to our donate page. There you can donate via PayPal, Patreon, or Bitcoin. All the donations we collect go exclusively to promote, grow, and produce the podcast. So what you will find when you click on the donate button is a list of all the production costs associated with producing the show. So once again, if you have the wherewithal to do so and would like to donate to the Share Podcast, then go to the website, click on the Donate button, and make your donation today. The second way to help support the show is to subscribe on your mobile device. If you listen to the Share Podcast on your phone and you click subscribe, you not only get notified... Every time a brand new episode is available, you also help support the show. When you subscribe, it dramatically increases our rankings on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, as well as other podcast platforms on the internet. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review, because I love to read those reviews at the beginning of every episode. And speaking of awesome reviews, we have one here from Lunchbox Lucy. Title is Game Changer. And she writes, Heyo, I discovered your podcast about four months ago. I've been hiding an addiction to prescription stimulants for nearly 10 years. Over the past year, I could feel that I was ready to be done with the drugs and the lying and secrets. Four days ago, I told my husband everything and asked for help. Listening to your podcasts was a huge part of how I was finally able to do the right thing. I know I have a long road ahead, but your recovery community Eases my fear. Thank you for being a part of saving my life. (sighs) Man, I got to admit, every time I hear that, it fucks me up, man. Uh, For lack of a more eloquent term. But, man, and we talk about it all the time, how we save people's lives. But when somebody says it, thank you for being a part of saving my life, it is the game changer. It's a game changer for me, and it's a game changer for everyone In our community, our community continues to grow massively on a daily basis. We are now creeping up on 4,000 members. We have thousands of listeners every week that are massively being impacted by other people's inspirational stories of recovery. It's doing exactly what I hoped it would do. Make recovery attractive and accessible to everyone who needs it. To remove the stigma behind it and to give yourself a chance by taking that first step towards recovery because you know what? Your life can be so much better. Thank you so much, Lunchbox Lucy, for this beautiful review. And HP, baby, I love you. And the third way to help support the Share Podcast is to share the podcast with your friends. If you love the Share Podcast, if you're getting value from the episodes, then share them on your social media network. Share them with your friends at meetings and help us spread that message of hope and recovery. And while you're recommending the podcast, also make sure to invite your friends to join us on the Share Podcast Facebook private group. There are thousands of recovering addicts That are positive helpful and being of service so if you're not ready to go to meetings or you need an addition to your meetings then this is a perfect place to get support and be of service so go to facebook type in s-h-a-i-r in the search bar share private group and the private facebook group will pop right up now a quick message from transitions daily and then on to the show would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, all. Thanks for inviting me to be on the show.
1: Oh, I'm so excited that you're finally on the show with me. How are you feeling?
0: Excellent. Excellent.
1: I love it. I love it. All right, folks, today we have Bonnie Pelletier Donahue joining us on the Share podcast. And Bonnie is the founder of Bonafide Yoga, Radical Self Acceptance and Bliss. Bonnie and I met two years ago when we both attended the International AA Convention here in Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica. Bonnie is a Y12SR yoga instructor and has dedicated her life to yoga and 12-step recovery. Does that sound about right, Bonnie?
0: Well, my kids, too. And, <laughs> and got, no, let's not forget the children.
1: And not kids. forget the
0: children. Yes, yeah. dedicated mother. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it. All right. So, uh, Bonnie, before we get into, because I'd love to discuss your brand new website, let's talk about what you do on a regular basis. What's your normal daily routine look like, including recovery?
0: Well, what pays the bills is I have a, a business that I have to get up every morning and take care of. But the first thing that I do in the morning is I get out of bed and I hit my knees and I ask to be a channel and a vessel of message to move my ego out of the way and to help me be of service for the day. And then I, um, I do minimum of five sun salutations and, um, I just try to tap in, connect to the day, because right off the bat, my head wants to go to the list of things I need to do. (laughs) And um, I need to slow that down and become present in the moment, because that's how I survive. And then I usually hit a meeting, and then I do the early bird meeting, which is a great, big, huge meeting here. It's a step meeting in Rhode Island. Excellent. And then I hit, uh, I go to work. And I do that first job that I have, that business, and get that up and running.
1: What is that what is that business?
0: Oh, it's a dive bar. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is like me when I when people used to ask me, What do you do for a living? And I'd be like, I have an e commerce business online. (laughs) Not I'm in the gambling business.
0: It was so wonderful, like you were so inspirational to me, and that was the big conversation that we shared. I don't know if you remembered, and it was like i have I had like a shame attached to that, yeah, you know it was like it, it it's where I'm supposed to be right now, doing what I'm doing, you know, I say if I was like a a baker or a candlestick maker, I wouldn't have had to really put recovery so far in my face, right, I allowed it to go to the wayside, but I have to be um strong in my practice because i've got to go in and i've got to look at the demon you know booze and i have to just let it be what it is know that i can't have it others freely can i just can't you know so that's it so i do that i hit my practice first a little bit of yoga a little bit of bring god into it prayer meditation and a lot of times i'll go in i'll plug in a share podcast or um Excellent. Another recovery type, um, you know, inspirational, you know, and I'm blessed to be able to do that in the morning. Not everyone can go into work and do that. You know, so I listen to that in the background and um, I just follow that throughout the whole day. You know, at some point I'll lose my phone or my keys or something. I'll have to pray to uh, get reconnected again. (laughs) 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 You know, and then other days... um, It starts off because some my children, two of my daughters are a little bit older and a bit more independent now. The middle one is driving and the youngest one is eight, so she still needs my guidance getting ready to school and whatnot. So, you know, we do the school routine as well. But a lot of times the youngest one should come with me to a meeting and then go to the bar after.
1: (laughs) That's got to be. You've been. We had this conversation two years ago, and I'm not judging because, like I said, I just got out of the gambling business, and I had that same feeling. Right? It yeah. was. It was tough to discuss it, especially when you know I'm. I'm. You know, the host of the Share Podcast, and you know, recovery is at the forefront of my of my life, just like yours is. You know, becoming a Y Twelve SR instructor for those of you that you know, those of you have heard the other interviews or the ones that don't. Y Twelve SR stands for Yoga for Twelve Step Recovery. Uh, so it's all ingrained you know as far as recovery yoga god mindfulness meditation all of that there's this this amazing um, beautiful wholeness that comes with being in recovery uh, and then there's this other side of us <laughs> we're still in yeah. our... <laughs> now isn't this is this was this a family business i can't remember if it was yeah. or it wasn't
0: uh, when i was 3 years old my dad bought the bar and then when i was 18, I started working for him a little bit, and he got sick. He had a aorta um, a- 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 aneurysm rupture. So the bar, when I was about 19, instantly went into my name, and um, I kind of ran with it for a while. I loved it. It was easy, and it was um, busy, and it was fun.
1: Okay, so it's a, it is a family business.
0: It's a family business, yeah.
1: Okay, do you have any plans moving forward to get
0: out of it, Oh, yeah, I have had it on the market.
1: Oh, you're selling it.
0: It's not coming up, you know, it's, it's got to be sold for a certain amount of money.
1: Got it, got it, of course.
0: But yeah, I've had it on the market and nothing's happened, but it's like, this is paying my bills, but a little bit at a time, I'm getting out of it. The universe is helping me to get out of it. I have an Airbnb, so I don't need to ten bar anymore. i having more and more yoga opportunities, so I've been able to hire a manager To take care of that while I, you know, make the next step. I do retreat, you know, recovery-based retreats. Last year, I brought Kevin Griffin, um, the author of 12 Steps in Buddhism. Yes. Yeah, I brought him to Rhode Island um, for a day-long retreat. So this is going to take time. I'm like, you know, it's balance. I have to put my recovery first and put one foot in front of the other and – the doors just keep on open, you know, opening one after the other. It's not like I'm running away from anything anymore, but moving toward. And that's that's a big change for me. It's a huge change for me. So I'm excited to uh, be living in the solution and trust in the universe that I still have this business for whatever reason today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your spiritual practice. Uh, I wanted, I like to do a little bit more of a deep dive. I, I like to ask uh, my uh, guests how they maintain their conscious contact with a higher power. Um, and you have a little practice. Can you expand a little bit about your meditative practice?
0: Uh like I said, I wake up in the morning and um, sometimes I'll do a guided meditation. Um, Depends on what it is that I'm working towards um, or I'm, you know, working on for my practice, um, my Y12SR practice, or just, I do a um, outdoor class as well. So maybe there's compassion I'm working towards. So I might do some um, guided meditations. um, And, probably 20 minutes or so in the morning, I would say. Um, maybe a mantra. It always it fluctuates. It's I, I do all different types of things. I never really do the same exact thing every morning, but I have about 20 minutes in the morning that's set aside for that. Then I do a minimum of five sun salutations. And I usually set an intention in the morning of just like inhaling, bringing my hands up overhead, pulling a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of light and love down into my heart, taking my thumbs and putting it at my heart and setting an intention for the day, you know, um, and then exhale forward fold and allowing just life to just turn upside down for a minute. And I do that at least five times if I don't bounce into a little yoga practice, um, little extended, whatever it is that I feel like doing that morning, stretching out, um, and then go about my day until I get jammed up again, and I have to do it again. (laughs) Just keep breathing through the day, conscious breaths through the day. There was a time in my life where I smoked cigarettes as well. And um, I was about five years ago. And that was pausing and breathing. I gave that up for more breaths in life with yoga,
1: that must have been rough,
0: oh it was easy. smoking it was easy,
1: smoking and doing yoga was easy,
0: oh, smoking and doing yoga no, that wasn't easy,
1: right, okay, that's what I was saying. I'm saying that I'm sure that that was conflicting oh, with to, your yoga uh, practice,
0: well, you know, so isn't drinking and doing yoga <laughs> so were you doing yeah, dr- that- were
1: you drinking and doing yoga? <laughs>
0: No, I wasn't. I was drugging and doing yoga, but um, I didn't drink and do yoga, but I just find it funny. We had such a great conversation on your um, Facebook page the other day about people with, you know, the advertisements of yoga and drinking. I keep getting invites to go to wine and yoga night. I'm like, that's so contradictory, but it was <laughs> freeing to be able to discuss it on your site about that. It's funny. Coors Light, I believe it was, put in an advertisement for it.
1: It's disgusting. I thought it was, there, it's offensive.
0: It is. It is. But it's uh, it's what's going on, you know? But it, I and, and I have to remember, I did that. I used to, like, go to therapy, go to yoga, smoke pot, and then try to I have no idea what I was doing, but it took me to where I am. So I guess, you know, maybe there'll be hope for them too.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. There is, I mean, as disgusting as it is, the cool thing is, is to know that the way that society is shifting, social media is so powerful that it's so easy to see what's trending. And we know that as a culture and as a society, it's shifting in that direction where it's mindfulness, it's yoga, it's, uh, it's better eating, better diets. There's so much bad press about animal agriculture, about processed foods, about processed meats, about how cancer forming processed meats are, about what, you know, the ingredients in, in, in diet drinks and Coca Cola and all these different things and energy drinks, right? There's so much awareness now about the health trends that, these ridiculous beer companies and alcohol companies—it's it's almost like, oh, look at this! Wow, Coors is endorsing yoga. Wow, then I'm going to get behind Coors, right? Like, there's almost that—they're—they're—they know what's trending, so that's kind of a plus to know that that's where we're headed. Um, I think this generation and the ones that are are, are following uh, are not going to fall for all that media uh, oh, hype behind yeah. the fast foods, you know. Uh, McDonald's yeah. sh- should be a, a dying breed. I-, I-, I don't see that happening anytime soon well. you soon, know what? But- I
0: was in Lake George, New York, in the Adirondacks uh, last weekend, and there was a McDonald's out of business. And I was talking about that. I'm like, that's so funny. You, know,
1: you actually saw a McDonald's out of business?
0: I saw a McDonald's out of business. And I'm like, that's so funny because... You know, it's just uh, it shows where our culture has shifted and our culture has shifted. And I was on the forefront for it since, you know, being in the alcohol business. This is what people did. People after work, they were young um, in their 30s. They would get out of work and they would start to drink. Most of them were drinking during work. You know, at lunchtime, they come in for a liquid lunch. People don't do that anymore. People are healthy, getting healthier. People are making different choices. They have gym memberships, Um, you know, Smoking really isn't in. No. You no. Know?
1: No. Not even not, here. Over yeah. here it's out too.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're Rhode Island, we were pretty much the last wave to get it. People had been stopped had stopped drinking and driving quite a while ago. It was still pretty common here in Rhode Island. You know, I'm sure still some people do it, but it really wasn't enforced as much as it is today. Like you can't. It's just not happening. So I think, like you said, the trend in society, people are. They're healthy, getting healthier. There's a good shift. So, I mean, if some people are drinking and going to yoga, I just trust yoga. I know that if you get involved in the path of yoga and you study it to what the eight limb path, it means the niyamas and the yamas, it's going to get you. You're
1: going to say, huh, I really don't want to drink. Well, and and I will say, right. And I will say this much. I will say this much. My, you know, my wife is a a yoga instructor. Uh, She's a wellness coach, right? And she is not an alcoholic, right? And she'll have like a glass of wine when we go. Usually it's family stuff. You know, she she almost never drinks at home. Uh, I think partly because of me. And then the other part is just, that's just not her style. She'll have a glass to a glass and a half, and that's about what she does. Um, and I think that for normal people, and even I, I know the culture, you know, there's a certain yogi culture that that are that are potheads and like to get into the oh, h- yeah. psychedelics and that kind of a thing. Right. And I think for normal people, you know, they can they they can go into that realm. I'm I'm certainly not going going to judge you for that, but what I do see is that positive trend in that direction which is what yeah. I that's what I want to definitely focus on I want to applaud that I want right. to you know the superfoods you know they're right. so they're so beneficial to cleansing to detox to you know getting those vitamins and minerals um, antioxidants that we don't get from you know right. regular foods because of just how you know we don't know how things are grown today it could say organic uh, you try and be as organic as possible but you know we're seeking we're moving in that direction and i and i i love that that's why i like interviewing people that are doing yoga and people that are in that realm of personal development because it you know you know there it's all congruency right we don't smoke you know we don't eat fast food yeah. i think it's a, i've i mean over here in costa rica like you drive by a McDonald's, and I don't care what time of the night it is, there's people in there on oh. the drive-thru, in, inside the restaurant. It's just like, is it ever going to end? I wonder. So if, to hear that, it's like, oh my God, really? Is this, you yeah. know, I, I'd love to know how, how often that happens. But if things continue in this direction, then the reality of what you're putting in your body. Is you can't deny you can't deny that that if you're putting McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell in your body, those are all toxic foods that have no nutritional value, um, and they're not serving you.
0: No, they're not, not at all. <laughs>
1: no, 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 absolutely. Well, listen, we could do this for for hours, but
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, they they definitely like they definitely have um you know like I I even think of I was born in 1972 you know, we did not wear bike helmets. I drove to the store to buy my mom's cigarettes for 40 cents. You know, we <laughs> sneak one once in a while. Um, <laughs> you know, I was eight years old. You know, that's the culture that we grew up in. We yep. drive to the beach and jump in the back seat of the car and grab dad a beer. That was the culture that we grew up in. Um, my kids didn't grow up like that. You know, um, I knew that I had to hide my drinking and drugging from my children. Mm. You know, um, I knew that it wasn't the way that I wanted them to grow up. Um, and you know, they grew up wearing bike helmets and car seats. They're safer. You know, my daughter loves to eat healthy. She's, you know, she, she wrote something not that long ago. She's 20 years old. She's absolutely gorgeous. And, um, she wrote something about you know treat, in college treating yourself good, you know take a nap.
1: Nice self care, self care.
0: <laughs> you know, that's and I'm wonderful. like that's and that's a gift of sobriety. You know, that's definitely um that's definitely why I got sober is to change the power of example for these girls.
1: Yes, and it's true. Yes, nap. absolutely. Yep. Yep. My
0: mother, my mom didn't have that, you know. My mom was a woman, um, you know, who passed away at fifty years old. You know, she the the only cultural things that were available to her was strong medicine to deal with postpartum depression, real strong shock therapy. Mm. You didn't yoga, you didn't go to yoga, right? You know, um, in those times, like that was. Definitely not something that was available here culturally to to relax, to redirect. It wasn't definitely wasn't available for them. But today it is.
1: That is you know? just, and that's true. That's a great point. We I hadn't given that much thought, but you know, the generation that we are part of today has so many alternative uh, uh, medicines that are not toxic, that are not chemical induced that that allow you to naturally cleanse your system detox um, and get well you know without complicating mm. things with you know before you know taking you know the the toxic medications that they were getting more or more, god forbid shock therapy is going to do more harm than good
0: oh. right you know, it's, you know? It's, it's
1: it's it's no wonder that uh, the longevity you know your your mother passed away 50 terrible terrible but it goes to okay. show you the state of what would there was to offer in the form of medicine—they—they
0: they didn't know better; they couldn't do better, you know. And and we get to stand, you know, over the last eighty years, there's been a solution um, that's worked, you know, the, the twelve steps, and they've branched off into over two hundred different twelve-step based modules that that help people get healthy, getting healthier, become part of the solution.
1: It's amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's wonderful, and you know I love what we're doing, which is we're not anonymous, yeah. right? We're not high, You know, I don't feel I need to be anonymous. I don't want to be anonymous, and I feel like I'm doing a disservice by being anonymous, right? And I don't, I don't, I don't trample over the traditions, uh, yeah. but I'm very loud and proud about my recovery. And, you know, anyone seeking recovery should be able to easily find it. That's just how right. my personal yeah. belief. And it's, and it's happening. It's happening. All right. So let's, let, let's dive in and let's talk a little bit about Bonnie. So first Hi. of all, um, how old were you the first time you drank or used drugs? And more importantly, how did they make you feel?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean... It- I mean, I remember being a little girl going out to dinner with everybody and getting to get a cream de mint parfait that had cream de mint in it. You know, um, I remember being little and getting it and being excited because I had alcohol. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I was 13 years old and the cool girls had invited me to a uh, a party at the house, um I went before a school dance and, and they opened up the liquor cabinet and we all pretended that we drank all the time. None of us probably did. So I had probably like an eight ounce, maybe 10 ounce glass of cream. (laughs) I got so sick um, at the dance (laughs) and I got in a fight with my best friend. So, and that's pretty much how my whole drinking career went. I would drink, I'd get drunk, I'd get sick, and I'd get in a fight. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Thumbs it, it up. <laughs> Thumbs it up.
1: What an amazing yeah. story, Bonnie. Thank you so much. For- <laughs> no
0: problem. No problem. But it was just like that, and amazing. in and out of one debacle after the next, and right. changing changing friends, changing groups of people that I hung around with, changing all different kinds of exterior things and never really changing me you okay. know
1: i gotcha. okay well we're Pretty gonna dive like okay we're gonna dive into that uh I, by the way how much clean time do you have and when is your anniversary date
0: my anniversary is october 16th and um what year 2011 All right. so what am i five years nine months today
1: awesome awesome i love it i love it all right so you are officially warmed up now bonnie
0: five years ten months
1: five years ten months okay i'm glad you could do the math because i couldn't uh it's time for me to turn this show over to you it's time for you to share your story the battle against drugs and alcohol the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom and then finally your journey into recovery up until today so bonnie take it away
0: Okay. Hi, my name's Bonnie. Um, I'm an alcoholic, codependent, all that other good stuff. I'm a woman in long term self discovery. I like that. I like like that. that. I heard that that somewhere along the line. Um, And uh, I, I, I. I, saw, I often say that my surrender, we have this road, it's called Route 95, it goes from Maine to Florida, um, along the coast of the United States, and um, I often say that my surrender was like dragging on the back of a bumper from Maine to Florida, and people would say, would you like to take it off? Would you like to get off? Like, no, I got this, you know? Um, I just, was, you know, I, I drank because I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I drank because I wanted to be there. I had these, um, beliefs that just were not true. Um, and I, I drank, um, I drank to change the way I felt about my, myself. Incomprehensible demoralization. That's one of my favorite things that I read in the literature is, um, it just ended up one debacle after the next. I want to say I was 17 years old, the first time I quit drinking. And somebody else had said along the way that normal people don't try to quit drinking. You know, normal people that have like a little sip of alcohol, or they have a beer, or like you said, your wife likes to have a glass of wine, they get that fuzzy feeling that disconnected feeling and they, they, they put it down. But like I would get that fuzzy disconnected feeling and say, Oh, I need to try like whiskey. (laughs) Oh, this bear is making me sick. Let me try something else here. You know? (laughs) Um, so I want to say I was about 17 the first time I, um, decided to quit drinking. Um, and, and this is not something I necessarily share in the halls, um, because you're not supposed to have off color remarks or anything like that. But, um, I kind of want to share this one with you. If you have to edit it out, by all means. Um, so I was 17 years old, and I had gone away. My brother had my older brother was a police officer, and uh, he took my girlfriend and I down to Florida for a um, I don't know I think it was five days uh, as a graduation gift. from myself, and he was going to keep an eye on us. He was 27, 28 years old at the time. So he's like, you know, just don't get in any trouble. I'm here if you need me. And we went, and we were running all over the place, drinking, and bumped into... A singer from L.A. Guns, which was like a Guns N' Roses band, and we were just in Panama City, Florida. Seventeen years old, out of our minds, nuts. So I told my um, girlfriend, I said, "I'm gonna like, I'm gonna lose my virginity this week." <laughs> <laughs> I love and, it, setting goals. <laughs> yeah, I'm like setting goals, right? At seventeen, I graduated high school. I'm gonna go lose my virginity. So I found this really, really good-looking guy. He um, he worked at the Sun suntan booth um where you know back then when 1990 when their highest rate of sunscreen was eight um <laughs> so, <laughs> I, <laughs> What's up? so anyways i go and i'm like oh, all right so i don't know i get a date with this guy and i'm so excited so we go out and he takes me out in his truck and I'm so glad my brother was keeping a good eye on us so um we takes me out in this truck and out we go. And, uh, we go to this beach and he reaches in the center console. And I'm like all excited, like, Oh, he must be getting a condom out. Cause we're going to have sex. <laughs> and he pulls out a book and the book is, um, born again, Christian book and asked me if I ever considered Jesus Christ oh. to be my person. So instantly on the spot, I became a born again, Christian, um, like right then and there that really, that, you know, God, God had me. God had me really, really close. I just know that was a complete higher power moment. And um, I stopped. I, I, I like completely stopped drinking and tried to like follow this born again Christian path by myself, uh, writing letters um, to this guy who lived in Alabama, and that lasted till probably November. So that was probably in June we went and probably till like November of 1990. And I had gone away to college. I got into college at Quinnipiac. Um, and my roommate was a Christian girl and we were going to church and I was doing really well and life was good. And then I went to a, um, a tutoring, um, appointment cause I, didn't I did so much drinking and whatnot in high school that I really wasn't that smart. Um, I missed a lot of stuff along the way, and um, I went to this tutor to help me, you know, get through it. And she just insulted me. She was like, "Did you graduate high school?" Like, and I was so insulted. I did not know how to handle it. Mm. Um, I laughed and I went to the hockey house and I drank, um, and that was it. That was it. I drank and then I drank and I drank some more and I didn't go to class. I dropped out because when I drink, I drop out, I drop out of whatever it is that I'm doing, nice. you know? Um, so that switched that track and brought me back to work for my dad. And my dad wasn't too happy about it because uh, he wanted to see me go to college. He wanted to see me do well, but I just, I I, I just wasn't ready for it. You know, um, I drank at it and then, then, then I couldn't do anything. So, back to uh, working at the bar and life was good because I didn't drink in the bar. I didn't drink in that bar at all. And I worked. Um, and I met my first um, ex-husband down the street at a different bar. <laughs> 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 he the would you like a Miller Lite? <laughs> um, and I was about 20 years old then. And I, I want to say like, I quit drinking with him like three or four times. You know, we ended up getting married when I was 23 years old and, um, we built a house and I had, uh, I had my daughter, uh, my daughter Maddie and I didn't drink, but I met a young woman Well, I knew this woman, I met her in high school and we reconnected, um, and we used to go walking all the time, and she would talk to me about Alcoholics Anonymous, how she started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and how much it saved her life. And this was at that point, I just didn't drink because I just became a mom, and I was really into it. I think like I just was changing my life, and I was doing well. And I and I would love these conversations I'd have with Joanna. Her and I would go walking all the time, and um, and just. We were raising our kids together, like, you know, I'm married and we'd meet up and we were talking about having little six month old babies, this, that, and the other thing. And, and she would talk to me about her, her experiences with AA and how much her life was wonderful. So then something happens, maybe I drink and I lose contact with her. I don't know, but she's going to come back in the picture later. So I, um, I'm doing well in life. And then I had this uh aneurysm rupture, a brain aneurysm. Um and it, it like bled and healed up. So I was in the hospital for a while and they did a major surgery on me and I was fine. I was back out. I was doing everything that I was doing before. But I didn't drink, um, and my life was good. My life was really good. I don't know if you can see this pattern. I don't drink, my life is good. I drink I- I drop out, you know, and, uh, Brad and I had a challenge in marriage, um, because I didn't have any skills right. to, um, to say what I mean and not say it mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and Brad, Brad's, Brad's Brad, <laughs> you know, I tried to fix and change all the things about Brad and, um, I was dry, not drinking and, it was about three years and then I drink and then I go out and drink and I'm like a binge drinker. You know, I'm drinking at, uh, people, places and things and situations in life that aren't going the way that I feel that they should be going. And, um, then at this point now we have two children and it just was not good. So we get a divorce and, um, and then I go out, and I meet my – I pick up a drink. I meet my second ex-husband.
1: Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. You're still married though, right?
0: No. So, then I get divorced. And then I'm trying to fast this up a little bit. So Brad and I get divorced. Um, we have two children together. We get divorced. Okay. We were married for eight years together for 12.
1: Long um, time. Long time.
0: Yeah. So we just – you know, we, we – we, we need to get away from each other. It was terrible. I was not good. He wasn't good. We get away from each other. He's a every other weekend dad. Um, his girls love him very much. Um, so then I, I go out. I was on a period of not drinking for, I don't know, three years. I go out, I drink, I meet my second ex husband, <laughs> right? When Brad and I are like getting divorced. I'd been with this man for 12 years. We're getting divorced. I meet this other guy. When I meet this man, Chris, um, at that time, I'm like, well, I'll just drink a little bit because I had had a little bout with um, with drugs for a few minutes, like three months of doing uh, cocaine, and I just it wasn't good, you know, so I I was... My first trip into AA, where I got uh, everything got fixed to me really fast. I grabbed a book, I went to four meetings, and I didn't drink for three years. But I was nuts. I just exercised all the time and like yelled and screamed at everybody, and it was terrible to be dry um, right. and and to not be living in the solution, but have the solution next to you, but you're not doing anything about it. But I didn't know what I didn't know. I was doing the best I could for my level of consciousness, you know, um, and that's just where I was. So I come to, I come to meeting Chris and Chris was talking to me about, oh, you know, you know, we're dating for about, I don't know, two months and getting ready to move in together, um. And I I asked uh, alcoholically um, and then I we had this like cool mushroom singlet it was flat on one side and on the other side looked like a mushroom and uh, he had um, he had a map on it He had gone to school in Bennington Vermont and um, and he had been hiking one time and on this, cool singlet mushroom thing that he found was a map. And on the corner, it was East Dorset, Vermont. It was Bill's house, Mad Tom River Road, Marty's Hideaway, a train track. So it's this really neat looking thing. And um, he would, I loved it. I was so attracted to it. What I've come to find out later on is that was a map to Bill Wilson's house, the Mm -hmm. founder of Alcoholics Anonymous.
1: Oh, yeah. I, remember this this is- I remember this story. I remember this story now. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, I don't know this at the time, but uh, he uh, he he had this thing. I loved it. So when he moved in, you know, like three months after we met, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> that became mine. It lived in my office, and we would. I started to smoke pot. Chris had introduced me to pot. I never smoked pot, folks. I knew I was nuts if I did stuff. But I loved it because at first it it calmed the chattering mind. But, you know, like a good alcoholic, I couldn't, um, or addict. I just, I needed to do it all the time. Um, I had, uh, I have another brain aneurysm, you know, and the doctor's, you know, operate on me. And then they had talked to me like, Oh, you know, if you're getting headaches, you know, you can have, have marijuana to comment, which (laughs) it's not, you know, say that to me. Um, so now Chris and I end up getting married. We have another child. So now I have three kids and, you know, my life is just overwhelming to say the least, you know? Um, and now I'm like, Smoking daily. And um, so I go to the doctor and I tell the doctor that I need some Adderall. Mm. And they give me Adderall. So now I am like high, low, high, low. And it starts all day long. And this is like for a good six months. I'm really like high to low, high to low. So I end up, um, my life is completely unmanageable now. And I go to the doctor. This is when I'm going to a therapist for myself and I'm going to yoga. I'm getting stoned before I go to hot yoga.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, I'm seeking any spiritual solution. And you know what, if, if you're new and you're listening to this out there and you are drugging and you're drinking, do you know what, what, it was that I was doing when I was drugging? I was speaking, is seeking a spiritual solution to my, human existence. And that stuff was working for me, but it's not sustainable. It was killing me. It worked till it didn't work anymore. And, um, it wasn't working. I was, um, I was a mess and I was rationalizing and justifying it and manipulating medical professionals to say that it was all right, you know? Um, and it was a mess. So I end up, um, I end up going to, um, I end up going into the hospital um, to, uh, to get some help. And when I'm in the hospital, Chris is like, I'm done with this. He's out. So he gets papers to uh, take Emma away from me. Mm. But he's in there and he's like, he's like, I love you. I support you. I'm going to be your best friend, whatever you need. And So tell me about your business. How much money does your business you know, and do you think that we could get the house in my name? And I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm sick and I'm a mess. And I'm like, eh, I don't even know what you're talking about. When we get out, um, I have the book to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, I know what my problem is. Um, the way problem is me. And this is my solution. I need to go. And he said, me too. And he gave me the papers to uh, take ammo off of me. So now I, I have no solution. I don't know what to do you know, um, I'm newly out of treatment. I'm an absolute mess. And now my daughter is leaving with the police and, and Chris is gone, you know? So I'd like to say I went to a meeting and I got all better. Um, but that's not what happened. I tried to do it on my own by myself. I like white knuckled it. I'd go three weeks and then I'd go out and I drink and I drug. I did that for a couple months. But in the process of this divine, beautiful mess, um, a, uh, a partnership of friendship comes back between my first ex-husband and I, where he knows I'm a mess and he's like, you need to do something about this. And he's somewhat supportive to me and, and, and helpful to help me become the mother I need to be again, which was never expected, but beautiful. Um, and it, and he wasn't trying to get back with me at all, but he was showing up, he was showing up, um, and, and helping me, uh, get back on my feet so I could be there for my kids. And he had this amazing woman, who was dating a woman who was in his life, who was like helping. She was like an angel, this woman, Amy, she was an angel. Cause I remember like crying to her one day, like, cause she was, she was a nanny at one point, um. I think she was like Julianne Moore's nanny or something at one point in her life. And I remember like crying to her and being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to take care of these kids. It's just like, you know what to do. You know how to take care of kids. Just sit and read her a book. Emma was two and a half years old. So I sat and like, she was just an amazing woman, um, Amy, she helped me out a lot, you know. And these unexpected visitors popped up and started to help me out. And I think my faith continued to grow and grow and grow. I finally, somehow, I, I got into a meeting. Um, I called the central service and I said, "I need to step back into life. I need to get into life." And there was a meeting called "Step into Life." And I was driving to the meeting, and I said, "I really need to. Uh, I really need to meet a sober guy." <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm a mass, like, you know, I'm a newcomer, I'm a mass, uh, you know, I'm just a in and out of like jail institution. I got arrested for like my sister's, uh, she's a case manager at a Phoenix house. She's like, you know, in recovery for years. She turns around and like, I beat her up. She was trying, she was so afraid for me, you know, my life, for my kids. And she's trying to help me. I end up having a wrestling match with her on my front lawn and oh, get arrested.
1: Jesus. You know,
0: which was, like, wonderful. It was great. I needed to spend 10 hours in jail, you know. I needed to spend 10 hours in jail to know, like, I never want to be in jail, you know. I don't want to be locked up. I don't want, I was thinking, like, at one point, I'm like, oh, I drink for freedom where actually, like, drinking was always taking away my freedom. Like, I couldn't go put my feet in the grass. I couldn't do anything, you know? But there was always that little higher power, God-connection-seeking thing with me. Because when I got arrested, police took me. They said, I said, can I take my Bible with me? I had this, like, little footprints book and a Bible. And I was, like, doing yoga moves in the jail cell and then clinging on the, the outside of it and then praying. Praying for help, and God sent me somebody. Like cause my family was all at that point, like they didn't want nothing to do with me, you know. Which was the best place in the world for me to be. Right. And brother sent this friend of his that he knew was spiritual. My brother had been a my brother was a former policeman. He had retired from the the force, um, and he sent this man, um, Earl. Who I have not seen since, you know, and Earl picks me up after like ten hours in jail, and and he he takes me to um he takes me home, and when he's sitting outside my house with me, he puts his hand on my shoulder and starts speaking in tongues. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like what is what is this? And he's like, I just asked God to send you a legion of angels, and um. Oh that's the recovery program to me, Omar, you are an angel. Like there's so many angels that are surrounding me one after another. And, and we surround them, you know, it's just, you know, recovery is amazing. It's absolutely amazing what it does for people. It's just such a gift and, and just wanting it doesn't give it to you. Like, because there's so many people that want it, Mm -hmm. it's action action it's practice it's getting on your knees it's begging please for my life i mean when i drank i ended up on my knees anyways puking all the time we'll just do it first just just get on your knees first protect you from that and it was just one after the other um and healing like you know, I, I mentioned earlier my mom passed away. I was mad at her for dying. I was mad at her for being weak and not being strong enough to take care of herself. I had no compassion for that woman. I had no idea. It wasn't until I sobered up this time that I realized that a a woman lost her life because it was always me the victim, fifty year old, my mom died, you know. Oh no, no, a fifty year old woman lost her life and her life was a hell of a lot more than just me. You know, that was cut short because um, she didn't have the tools to do what it is that you and I are doing so freely today, you know? Yeah. So there was my big surrender. And I finally, I went into this meeting called Step Into Life. And in Step Into Life, there was all guys in the room, just as I ordered. <laughs> 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 they were remotely attractive. They were all healthy. <laughs> they were all too healthy. Uh, one of them came over to me and, uh, he handed me this book called living sober and, um, I grabbed it and, um, uh, and, and he said, you know, we have another meeting on uh, Friday night if you want to come to it. Um, and, and, uh, we go out to dinner afterwards and they told me about the fellowship, you know, and I went to that meeting, I got all dressed up and I went to that meeting and, and, and he took me over and he, he introduced me to our other friend, Jen.
1: Oh, get out. Yeah. Jen.
0: Yeah. He introduced me to Jack and, and she like, she called me right out on it, you know? And, uh, She never told me what to do. She grabbed me by the hand and she showed me what to do. And, and, and the women of AA just like grabbed me in and, and, and told me like these little simple things like, yeah, you shouldn't be dating because you're still married. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, you've got nothing to offer anyone, you know? And, um, and I, and I, I, I was able to see, uh, how messy my life was and I wanted my my daughter back. I wanted custody back of my youngest daughter. Um, and I wanted to be able to show up. I wanted my other daughters to, to be proud of me. You know, Madison was 12 years old. Um, and, uh, Sammy was 10. Emma was two and a half and and they needed their mom. I knew what it was like to grow up without a mom. I couldn't do that to them three. And I, I needed to, um, to suit up and show up. And the women of AA did it. They showed me the way they didn't tell me what to do. They showed me what to do. And they, they like, they loved me. I was so funny. I remember I found the 11th step prayer and I went running into, uh, the meeting and passed them out to everyone. Like I was the founder of it. (laughs) And they just, Oh wow, that's great. Thank you. And like, come on. Like we know today what that is, but, uh, yeah, I, um, everybody pulled in and rallied. Um, I had, uh, my sister didn't talk to me for a year, um, that hurt, but it was necessary. And, uh, we have a beautiful relationship today, better than when we had before, you know, um, it's wonderful. I love her very much. And, uh, I, all my family, it's amazing. It's amazing. My whole family is, um, they are my life. You know, I, I do a living amends daily and just sometimes keep my mouth shut. And they're all surprised by that. I don't tell them what to do. I I just, which was different for me. You know, um, I just, I'm the change I wish to see in myself. Yes. I don't do it perfectly at all, but I, I, I do it. And I can show up for them today. It took some time, but, you know, time, things I must earn. I'm finally earning them, and, and I'm all right with it. Um, my I dad, like that.
1: I like that. Things I Must... If those of you didn't catch that, time, acronym, Things I Must Earn. Love it.
0: Yeah, things just kind of came easy to me, you know? And um, this this is, you know, doing esteemable acts. builds your self-esteem. And these little things, you know? My favorite was... Um, rejection is God's protection leading you in a different direction, you know, and, and it it is. So I didn't realize that that singlet mushroom was, um, was Bill Wilson's house, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous till I was up there. Jen had taken me up to the Wilson house when I was five months sober. And when I was walking along the road, that's when I had realized, um, what that map was, you know, and and I haven't, you know, I, I asked him for it back. I haven't received it. He can't find it, but, um, I trust that that thing is where it's supposed to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to guide somebody else, you know, it's pretty beautiful and amazing that, um, I'm where I am today. You know, I've led retreats at the Wilson house, um, yoga recovery treats, retreats, you know, um, couple, two of them, 12, you know, that was just so much fun. So wonderful. And, and all these things that I've been able to do today is just, it's just absolutely amazing. I have an amicable relationship, healthy relationship with healthy boundaries with two former spouses. It's beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I tried to run the first one over with the car, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and, and, he works, he works at my place today. You know, a lot of times I don't talk to him about stuff. I have my dad filter it, but we're all right. You know, um, we have beautiful children together. We respect each other enough to have these great kids. Um, and, and that's all the kids want. They want two parents that are happy, healthy, and, and doing the best that they can. It's a gift, and all of this is because I hit my knees and I asked God to to help me, to guide me, to show me the way. Just what amazing thing after another, Omar. You know, I do. I went out to Costa Rica. You know, I took my another one. I when I was three years, with the, my first. Well, actually, let me fast go backwards again. My um my first trip I took, um, I ended up, you know, like getting custody of my daughter back again and um, reopening my business because I closed the bar. I cashed in my 401k, paid my bills for a year. I closed the bar. My dad reopened the bar and he kept it open for a year I took a whole year off, which I was so blessed to do. Yes. Uh, people thought I was crazy cashing in my 401k. I said, I'm dead. I am dead if I don't do this, you know? And I just got really, I had to clean my life up for those girls, for myself. I was going to be, I wasn't going to make it, Omar. I was not going to make it. I was going to be dead. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was not going to be able to make it. And um, I have been able to make it, you know, to the other side, you know, to, to, to that, I do want to, you know, give my life to this process, to this program, to help anyone and everyone that wants the help, you know, but they've got to want it. And, and I don't know, I mean, it's funny, I was on the front page of the paper at about three years sober, dancing with my daughter, Emma, um, at the recovery rally, and there I am on the front page of the paper. And then everybody knows I own that bar. It's been for like 40 years, you know? So who knows if God's using me to be like, all right, you can be sober and live and let live and just take care of yourself. I, I have no idea what lessons and blessings are coming through my beautiful mess. I have no idea, but I know that I can do it a day at a time. If I ask for help and I stay close to the program, um, the fellowship, the friendship, you know, the the literature, I need to clean this mind. I spent 26 years in a bar room, you know. I needed to clean this mind. I need to read your, your spiritual books, yoga sutras all the time, you know. I need that stuff to be healthy, getting healthier. I'm so excited about this upcoming workshop that I have. I'm working with a couple of men that helped change my life. You know, um, one is a therapist who's just, he's wonderful, um, Peter Greenberg. And then another is Dave Asillo, who's an author and a yoga teacher. He's not in recovery, but, um, he's just a human, you know, and he's amazing. He, um, he did some journaling workshops and, and asked questions and made me ask questions to myself. You know, when I do these, like, journaling workshops and, and the yoga, it just all together really helped change the trajectory of my life. You know, I, I stopped um, I stopped speaking negatively about myself and, and mm. keeping it positive. You know? And I didn't see a lot of this stuff for so long, Omar. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It just wasn't in my realm at all, you know. But I, I know I love. Uh, when are you getting them HP baby shirts? Because I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's there's a couple. Yeah, the HP baby shirts needs needs to happen. Uh, that's what's that's what's coming. Uh, you know, it's just anyway. We'll get I, to that later.
0: <laughs> I know. So yeah. So um, that's it. You know, incomprehensible demoralization happens when I pick up a drink. The way that I think, the way that I talk, the way that I act, all bets are off. There's no. Uh, there's no chance of serenity you know i don't i'm not perfectly zen you know like i'm not like all day long you know that isn't like oh i'm so zen (laughs) because that's not real life you know (laughs) real life is crazy but because of the practice of meditation like you know you're driving down the street and someone cuts you off like they cut me off you know that's it he cut me off where's he going you know, and, um, my, my train of thought thinks differently. You know, it's just different the way that it goes. When I was 16 years old and I was driving my car, somebody got up behind me and my dad said, don't ever let anyone drive your car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to let anyone drive my car. Dad." It's like, no, don't let the person behind you mm-hmm. going to drive. Like, you know, let him get out of the way just drive at your own pace so i have a 16 year old daughter and her and i were driving on the street and those words came out of my mouth <laughs> to her <laughs> Because of all the Zen, you know, all the reading, all the meditation, it means uh, I'm like, oh, my God, that's what dad meant, you know. And and I say that to friends. I'm like, don't let anyone else drive your car. If someone's giving them a bad attitude or they're angry, I'm like, don't let them drive your car, you know, and don't let them change your attitude. Let them be what they are. Embrace them. Love them for their ignorance. Remember when you were there, you know, and, and, and don't go back there. Don't pick up that game of tug of war, you know? And, and when I say it to others, I, I repeat it to myself and, um, I try to remember not to let anyone else drive my car. (laughs) 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 It's, It's easy. I would love to, um, I'd love to be able to just, um, dedicate my life to the, uh, y 12 sr and, and retreats. And I love, you know, and I feel like it's going to happen for me. I know it will. Um, I just know it will. I know that there's going to be something that's going to just keep going along the journey that they're going to be saying, all right, here's your next move. Cause I, I'm paying my bills. I'm, I'm doing all that I need to do. And all this stuff is amazing. Cause I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. All I could do was get high, you know? I couldn't have a conversation with somebody. And listen, I haven't shut up, Omar. Did I go over my time?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. And that's your story?
0: I think so. I think that's it. up to date, you know?
1: It's a beautiful story. And I will tell you this much. Um, Nothing that is worth, nothing of value comes easy and... You, like, I'm in the same boat as you are. Um, My life continues to shift in that direction. You know, I want my entire life to be something that I can be proud of. Every, I want every aspect of my life to be something that I can hold my head up high and say, this is what I do. This is my contribution to the world. You know, like, this is what I want to do. And there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do that and pay my bills, Right. right. To, to some degree. Right. But but I also know that I come from a world of instant gratification. That's why I got into drugs. That's why right. I, I got into the gaming. That's why I've, you know, dedicated so much of my life to the to pursuit of power and money and prestige um, and significance on uh, that realm to be considered somebody, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, to allow my ego um to to fill right yeah. um, and the ego allows you to do that because the direction it sends you to are things that you can do quickly because right. it goes against all your moral fiber all all the values that you learn, your core values get crushed in the pursuit of of wealth and power and prestige right. um and so you get blinded by it um, and then you you make a sharp turn. Um, And you take a good, hard look at those core values that you have. And you say to yourself, I don't want to live, you know, contradictory to these values. So I need to move in another direction. And recovery doesn't happen overnight. You said it yourself. It's something that we have to work for, right? So we have to go to meetings. We have to work the steps. We, Mm. You know, I now that I work at the recovery house, you know, as a counselor uh you know it's like you're not going to get this overnight and people that go no. to meetings people that go to meetings and have not right. worked the steps and they listen to us share about our amazing lives and they go this sounds like a bunch of bullshit right guys... well it's a
0: new language yeah. living in recovery we like we have a whole new language you yeah. know and, and 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 they and you learn it and it's wonderful
1: but the language the language sounds very woo woo-y And new age and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, however you want to coin the phrase. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so they come in and it's like, I don't get why you guys are so happy. And this doesn't make any sense to me. And I keep coming to these meetings and nothing's happening. And it's like, well, if you don't work the steps, then what we then what comes out of our mouth is might as well be in Chinese. But
0: I need to hear that. I need to hear the mass. Still, it's so important for me to hear it. I'll tell you, I have to retie this in. I spoke about the woman when I was 23 years old, and I'd go walking, and she told me how AA got was so wonderful. Before, when I I had nobody else to talk to, and via Facebook I messaged her and I was all alone in my house and I said, I think I need to go to AA. And she messaged me right back and she called me and she said, You should go to AA. It works. I don't go anymore. I stopped going about a year ago. I drink again. My boyfriend, um, I lost custody of my daughter. If I heard the solution, I might have still said, oh, she's crazy. I knew how good she was. I knew how healthy that girl was. I had my butt to a meat fast. (laughs) So, like, we never know how that mess is helping others.
1: No, that is 100% true. And that helps us. Right. It's that ability to relate. When you hear somebody struggling and you hear somebody that is going through the same struggles that you're going through, um, and they're just maybe just a little bit further along than you are, and you're like, okay, I can follow this because this makes more sense. This guy's more where I'm at but there's people that have a lot more time and they talk about these amazing lives that they live. And there's those that, that just can't, they just can't connect with that because we're too far ahead of them, right? And so right. my message to them is always, I hear you, I get it, and you'll understand, you'll understand when you work these steps. If you choose yeah. not to work these steps, then it's never going to make sense. And just going to meetings isn't going to work. Right. It's just it's just not going to work. It's gonna get old and it's gonna get boring. Right. Right. Because you haven't been able to have that psychic change that happens when you work Mm. the steps. And so that's kind of the point of what I'm saying as far as the direction that we're going. Just like recovery wasn't overnight, just like finishing our steps wasn't overnight, just like you know, getting that x amount of clean time one year is different than two years two years is different than three oh. years four years is different than five years right there's right. a reason this there's, there's a trajectory that happens it's not like cocaine the minute no. i do cocaine <laughs> soup
0: <laughs> i'm no. there Can i have some all <laughs> no it's not like that no it's no not
1: like that. and so you have and 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 that's where we're at right now i mean me you know becoming a coach and and then right. you know first starting here at the recovery house as a counselor and doing the podcast and making all these shifts and making these changes and struggling financially is all part of the process it's all going to happen slowly and over time and so i believe that that's just the way it has to be when you're doing the right thing, when you're, right. when you're doing the work you're supposed to, you don't become a yoga instructor overnight. None of it. Yeah. None yeah. of it. And if yeah. you try and circumvent things, you can, but you compromise principles. And today, I'm, I, I live a life of authenticity. I live a life of conviction. I live a life of principles. And if you ask me today, what is it that you do? I have no problems explaining to you What my life is all about, that I'm a husband, that I'm a father, that I'm a person that is in long-term recovery, that gives back, that helps others, that's a good son, that's a good brother, that's a good friend, that gives, that, that contributes positively to the world. And I, and that's how I will be remembered. And I work very hard to, to be that person, you know? And I, and I think that's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And so, but it will come. We'll be able to do it full-time.
0: But you know what though? It's it's funny. Like I I I have so many different little god shots that happened. Oh, that I just think like I don't I don't know. Like I try to stay out of my job my place, but I've gotten called down there at night for like the fryer later being out, and I went down there because the fryer later was out and it was wing night, and um (laughs) there was a woman sitting at the bar that I had seen celebrate five years of recovery, like two months earlier. And I didn't know her, you know, which was weird because I'm all over the place. And I know a lot of the people around, I'm in a lot of meetings and there's a lot of, you see each other, you know, I, I didn't know this woman because I never saw her at meetings and whole time she celebrates like, yeah, I never go to meetings. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't. she's talking about what she doesn't do, you know? And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, you got to go light the fryer, lady. You got to go get on your knees and pray that you don't blow your face up and pray that you don't, you know, pray for this woman. And I prayed for her. Um, and when she had come in, she was like, when I walked in the door. She's clapping her hands like, give me a shot of tequila and a Heineken. And she's like, oh, like jacked up for it, you know, probably primed up a little bit before. I came back out. She's got her head down. She's like, her head's like laying down um, on the bar. She's like miserable. I'm like, and I say to myself, like, what are you supposed to do next? I'm like, you're supposed to go behind the bar and say hello to everybody. Hey, how you doing? That's what you do. You're the owner, you know? So I go, I walk behind the back. I go, hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, how you doing? Joe, Bobby, hey, yeah. Life is good. Yeah, hi. You know, and I see her and she looks at me. I look at her. She doesn't say nothing. She doesn't recognize me. She's another plan. I'm like, all right, guys, have a good day. Every time I thought of that woman, I would say a prayer for her. If I would think of her going in a meeting, I'd tap a chair for her. And then I started like crying three months later when she walked in, I was like,
1: yeah, you know,
0: like this thing works. So I don't know why God's got me stationed here right now. (laughs) That's the way I look at it. I'm like, all right, just keep paying the bills, keeping the inventory, whatever you're stationed here, Bonnie, you know, God's got to station different places. And, you know, um, being who we are, we can't help but be our recovery without saying, like, I don't need to wear an HP or an AA pin. I, you know, I, I do the next right thing. That's all I, know. I need to do. So, um, and, and and for that, like, there's a lot of people I am anonymous to. There's well, a lot of people that don't know. Right. You know, And not only that, when I was drinking, I didn't believe that nobody didn't drink. <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know.
1: Let me ask you this, though. Like, I had. In your bar, do you have like a sign that says, if you think you have a drinking problem, call this number?
0: No, I do not. You know what I do have? Mm. If you get thrown out of my Dive bar (laughs) and you actually call me up, I give you an AA book. (laughs) I've been out about four. Yeah, that's so funny. Isn't that
1: funny? I'll tell you what, though. Uh, you know, I, I would, here's, I just got this here. I got a premonition and I'm just going to put it out there. Go ahead. And that's just my thought, right? Okay, I'm in the bar. Great. And And, you know, this is where I work. It's family business, whatever. You could actually have a shirt on that says, I don't drink or something, or a sign that says, if you have a problem drinking, we can help. Right. And you never know. Right. Somebody could come in there and just be on their last, you know, like like you've had so many God shots, so many God yeah. shots. And all. And what are you looking for? You're looking for a sign. That's what we're looking yeah. for. We're looking for a sign. And there's where else better than to hit a bottom than in your local pub. Right. And, and th- that could be, you know, they could see it and go. And somebody might say to you, hey, Bonnie, what's up with that sign you have over there? You know, and you right. could say, well, you know what? I'm sober. And that's, and if anybody needs help, I'm here to help them. And you never know what could happen. You know, that could be part of the, that could be part of the day. Who's to say it isn't? You know, that's just what came to right. me, right? I had a little, yeah, I, I, I know. I, there.
0: I mean, you know, I'm, I am responsible anytime, anywhere anyone reaches out for that. I am responsible only if somebody reaches out, you know, um, it, just my presence just my presence I, I i don't purposely go in there a lot be, i go in there if i need to be in there you know and i've I, there was a point where i was tending bar in there and that was really hard on me that was conflicting and i don't like to be around i don't like to be in that environment and feel conflicting
1: you well, know the because good news it's just
0: is, dangerous yeah, it's yeah. dangerous to my overall health and well-being mm-hmm. you know so um when I'm in there and I'm in there and I'm counting my money and I'm doing my thing and whatnot. And it's just, there's an amends I'm making to my dad, you know, being a good daughter, showing up for work, paying my rent, paying my bills. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping him live his life. He's 80 years old now. Um, and, uh, he's awesome. You know, he's a, he's an amazing generation and he, and he loves his daughter very much, you know? Um, I'm the youngest of four, and I have his business. So I I do my best to um, to show up for him, and for that, for that I do. And I and I don't, I keep my mouth shut regarding that.
1: Well, the good news is you don't have to be in there.
0: No, I don't. I don't. The universe provided me with. I had this. Uh, Airbnb, which I love to do. Um, I have a woman here right now who's taking her daughter to Brown University from California and, and I've got to like do some nice stuff for them. And that's pretty cool. You know, um, women helping women getting through the journey. I love that. Um, and it's great. Um, I got my little yoga gig going on. I love it. It's only going to get better yep. and I, and, and life is good. And who knows someday that place. You know, it'll be what it is till it isn't anymore. I own the property, um, and maybe someday it'll be an awesome coffee house recovery bookshop. There's rooms upstairs; they could be recovery rooms with who knows. Not that I've thought about it. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I was talking to Tommy. Tommy, why? Um, you know Tommy. He just two minutes with Tommy on Facebook. He owns recovery homes not he owns a clubhouse in Tampa okay okay no Tommy from Sherman's buddy oh yeah 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. I was talking to him about it at the convention I'm like maybe that's what I'll do you know someday turn that into some really cool like uh, recovery yoga coffee house kind of place that's a Wilson house I, in Vermont used to be a bar
1: it's gonna happen I, I that so. I believe a thousand percent.
0: I think so, but for now, you know, for now, for my dad and, and, and for paying my bills, it is what it is.
1: Beautiful. I love it. You know? I love it.
0: When a higher power feels differently.
1: I agree a thousand right? percent. I, uh. I got
0: to keep being patient. <laughs> patient.
1: All right, Bonnie. Well, listen, let's start closing up here. And right. the way I like to close up is for the newcomer. So I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery And I want you to respond with inspiring and insightful answers you can share with our newcomers. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, what was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery?
0: It's none of my business what other people think about me, but I was really afraid of what my people that drank would think about me if I didn't drink anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Social acceptability.
0: Yep, yep. Yep. That was definitely one of the things that I was afraid of.
1: Okay, so number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery, when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover?
0: I didn't think I was ever going to be able to forgive Chris for taking Emma away from me. Mm. And um, I went on that uh, Buddhist retreat weekend up at the Wilson House in Vermont, and that's when... I was walking along and I realized that that mushroom with the map to the Wilson house that he was the conduit of um, Chris was the conduit of was the universe saying I was exactly where I was supposed to be Mm. exactly when I was there. It's none of my business. Keep your mouth shut. If you can't forgive him, you know, you're not going to be able to stay sober. And how free do you want to be? That was a huge spiritual, spiritual thing because like, You know, whatever, whatever. My fear created him to want to get away from me. Rejection's God's protection, leading me in a different direction. I had a lot of fear of people's, he still drinks, none of my business. I don't know if I could have been married to him drinking. Right. You know, maybe he knew that, whatever. God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. That moment right then and there, I went from uh, a victim to a a member of the universe, for sure.
1: That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And that's something that I've been trying to connect with too, is that uh, I want to do a little mini episode about forgiveness um, mm. and then connecting with the idea of forgiveness yeah. and how how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, and getting out of that victim mentality is beautiful. Um,
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: I just did an episode on the... Codependent drama triangle, which is all about getting out of that victim mentality, right? But I like what you say there. I got out of being a victim and got into being a member of the universe, right?
0: It's not all about me.
1: <laughs> and that, I can't believe it. And and that's <laughs> and that's yeah yeah right right. I, so so God. so forgiving Chris. Yeah. What was the, what was the you know what's that goal there to give our listeners? You know what was that. You know, um, when you talk about being part of the universe, was it just accepting that you're human, he's human, we're all, you know, yeah. imperfect? and
0: Perfectly imperfect, doing the best we can for our level of consciousness. Yeah, definitely. And, and
1: everything happens for a reason.
0: Sure. So I don't know. I don't need to know why, but I know that God turns everything into good somewhere along the line.
1: Mm, I yep. love that. I, I love too. that. God turns everything
0: everything is good you know
1: yeah man that is powerful powerful good i i'm i'm cr- i'm grabbing little nuggets here i just did an interview good. with emily hooks about the power of forgiveness so mm. it's it's i think it's such a you know that's the word right now that's the one that's that's yeah. uh, that's been circling around for me it's huge. Right? to connect because with guilt-
0: Guilt, shame, forgiveness, that stuff will get me drunk. Mm. You know, if, if shame or guilt or forgiveness comes off, that's like an alarm saying, did you do your 10-step inventory? Mm. <laughs> <not> <laughs> what, what are you holding here, you know? <laughs> all right. And I don't need to beat myself up for it. I got to go, oh, yeah, all right. The alarm's going off. Shut the alarm off. Do something about it because the alarm's going to keep going off if you don't do something about it, you know? <laughs> We're not here to beat ourselves up.
1: Oh, God. Gold. Absolute gold. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yep. All right. So number three, do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to a newcomer that you read in early recovery?
0: The Four Agreements
1: mm, yes. by
0: Don Miguel Ruiz, I believe that's how you say his yep. name. Don Miguel um, Ruiz. Yep. And um, The Four Agreements was wonderful. Um, be impeccable with your word. What? What do you mean? I have to be honest? Like, are you going to come see us Sunday? No, I'm not going to come see you Sunday. I'm going to wash my hair. <laughs> no, I would never say that to anyone. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll see you. and never show up, you know? <laughs> but those little, those little things of being impeccable with your word, it, like how oh, they ripple out in your life. It's amazing.
1: Oh, I love it. Beautiful. Yep. Yeah, I love it.
0: And the other one is uh, Ram Dass, Polishing the Mirror. I love Ram Dass. He's wonderful. He's a great uh, yogi who brought brought yoga from – he just brought, made it popular. He's wonderful. It's a good Beautiful. guy.
1: It's good to have new books because uh, Domingo Ruiz has been mentioned a few times. Before Green, oh, yeah. It's a very popular book.
0: Oh, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success is also wonderful with Deepak Chopra.
1: Yes, yes. That one also has been mentioned. Powerful books. All about self-development, personal growth, yeah. connecting with a higher power. Love it. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So number four, what is the best suggestion you have ever received?
0: Best suggestion, get on my knees in the morning. Ask a power greater than me to remove the obsession. Show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love with myself and others. Huge. You Beautiful. Know? Drop a coat hanger in your closet, pick it up.
1: I love it. I love it. They used to say, they used to say, throw your keys under the bed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to get on your knees.
0: (laughs) Oh, and and I had a little thing like, I, I consider losing my cell phone or my keys being disconnected, you know, because I have a mental, physical, spiritual disease. I also have a time disease. My head's either going too far ahead and too far behind. So if I'm racing too much in my head. I can't find my keys. I can't find my phone. I have to stop, pause, ask St. Anthony, St. Anthony, show me the way of patience, (laughs) kindness and love, myself and others. Reconnect me, baby. Get me back connected to that higher power and and I'm good to go again.
1: Oh, beautiful. Those
0: are suggestions I have. And uh, put the bad away. Just keep doing the best you can. For so long, like guilt and shame, beating myself up. That'll get me drunk. I need to heal. I need to hold, give myself a hug and say, good job. You did it, kid. You did it. You didn't pick up a drink today. You might've screwed everything up, but you didn't pick up a drink, you know, and you might not have even screwed anything up. Might've just done good. <laughs> Who knows? Talk nice to yourself. That's the best thing I can say.
1: Okay. Cause that was going to be my fifth question. What? If you could give a newcomer only one suggestion, what would it be?
0: Um, metal patch your ass but women will save your ass stick with the women we can lonely we want a guy to fix us if there's a guy that wants to fix you early in sobriety run because he's sick I don't care if he's been here 20, 30 years he's really sick because it's like that's like child abuse. Like you're so raw and nuts when you first come in these halls. You're so raw and nuts. If there's a woman that wants to go grab a guy and fix him, run. You know, a lot of women will not follow that advice, but eventually they will. You know, I'm I'm so grateful that the um, the men that I met when I came in that they they did what they did, because if they didn't, I might have run. And a lot of women come in and are pretty wounded and beat up and.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It's like recovery is like a life raft. And if I grab onto somebody, I might drown them. So it's like you've got to get on the boat where they're going to help you with the life raft, put that on you. They're going to put a life jacket on you. That's the big book. And they're going to teach you how to row. They're going to show you how to row for yourself because to, like, get in there and and have somebody do it for you. We've done that. That's called drugs. <laughs> 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 this is, uh, this is good stuff oh my god you know cheat yourself recovery healthy getting healthier like healing your brain the first book i like i really read cover to cover was a big book and it was like i i don't pick up a book without reading the preface now because there's such good stuff in it <laughs> such good stuff in it
1: oh man i love it repeat that again repeat that repeat that suggestion
0: again what that men <laughs> men will patch your ass but women will save your ass
1: (laughs) and that is how we're closing (laughs) (laughs) that is magnificent Mm. magnificent Mm -hmm. all right folks we've now reached the end of our show thanks for joining us and as we say here in costa rica pura vida
0: pura vida